politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow lab rats, to the one and only CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here for a brand new week of broadcast. It is March 14th, Monday. And yes, we are still lab rats. Uh, They are continuing the great human experiment, but somehow we're supposed to get excited about Putin. Could you imagine if Putin, China, North Korea, Iran, any of the bad players on the geopolitical stage would have successfully done to our military what our own government, our own Pentagon has done to them? Inject them with a bioweapon and destroy millions of people for life. This thing already hit the iceberg, okay? This Titanic has hit the iceberg. It's sinking. The question is, how big is it? We're going to put together today and, you know, some of the days this week, we're going to switch off with uh, the border and different things going on, obviously tying Ukraine when it matters, but I can't get excited about it when between the data, the anecdotes, even the, if you look carefully... The media, the few places where they talk about COVID, it's actually coming out. The truth is coming out, but it doesn't matter. And in fact, the truth has come out from Pfizer's own chief executive criminal, Albert Borla. They're admitting now this was all an experiment. Oh, so it was an experiment, crappy technology. We see all the problems, negative efficacy, an array of short-term and long-term disabilities that we still cannot wrap our arms around. And yet, it is still to this day being mandated in the military and healthcare settings. We have lives being destroyed. And we can't get any Republicans and most conservative media excited about this. I can't think of a worse thing than our own government committing bioterrorism and there's one thing, okay, if it's a mistake, but they're all on top of it, they're funding studies and helping people get treatment, paying reparations. But no, not only are they running away from it, but they're, like I said, they're running away while simultaneously, quietly continuing the most destructive mandates. So we have no choice but to keep exposing this. And obviously the worst aspect is the military mandate We're going to have Matt Staver on from Liberty Council later on to discuss the latest uh, court case in the military, uh, where things stand legally with the mandates, religious liberty exemptions, as well as some of the data, the DMED scandal, the biggest scandal ever, I believe, in American history, our government covering up that the military forced a bioweapon on the soldiers, saw for months that it was causing problems, excess deaths, injuries, strokes, heart attacks, did nothing about it and actually actively covered it up and now has sabotaged the data. But unfortunately for us, we do have several very brave whistleblowers, doctors in the military. So again, we're going to have Matt on to discuss that a little later. Um, Folks, (laughs) along with our bodies, our economy and our dollar is going to hell in a handbasket. Um... Imagine if your mortgage had a negative interest rate. Would you be in a hurry to pay it off? Well, that's kind of how our government is acting, but their gain is your pain 
protect your savings now, hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold because the government is sabotaging the value of the U.S. dollar. Birch Gold is the only company I trust and recommend because they've really been around for a while. A-plus uh, rating with the Better Business Bureau, um, numerous uh, five-star reviews. And what's important now is as you do your taxes, um, I'm doing mine this week. If you haven't done yours yet, you have extra money left over, you could convert an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by real gold rather than putting it into the casino that we call the stock market. So to find out more, text Daniel to the number 989898. Get a no cost, no guarantee, no obligation info kit. The comprehensive 20-page guide reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can buy them under an umbrella of a tax-sheltered account. So do it right now. Text the word Daniel to 989898. Okay, folks, I want to begin today by playing a clip some of you might have heard, but it's worth repeating. Washington Post did this uh, Zoom meeting or some sort of interview with Albert, Albert uh, uh, I was going to say gorilla, <laughs> Borla. Um, he's treating us like lab rats, like gorillas. And I don't, I don't know if this was a slip up. I don't, I don't know why he said this, but he did take a listen. I want to get a little into the weeds here and the mRNA technology. When you and you and your, your colleagues were trying to decide which route to go down, the traditional vaccine route or the mRNA route, you, you write that um, it was, quote, most counterintuitive to go the mRNA route, and yet you went that route. Explain why. It was counterintuitive because Pfizer was mastering, or let's say we had very good experience and expertise with the multiple technologies that could uh, give a vaccine. Adenoviruses, that some of the other vaccines are. We, we were very good in doing that. Um, protein vaccines, we were very good in doing that, and plus many other technologies. Um, mRNA was the technology, but we had less experience, only two years working on this. And actually, mRNA was a technology that never delivered a single product until that day. Uh, not vaccine, not any other medicine. So, uh, so it was very counterintuitive, and I was surprised when they suggested to me that this is the way to go. And I questioned it, uh, and I asked them to justify how can you say something like that. But they came, and they were very, very convinced that this is the right way to go. They felt that the two years that uh, of work on mRNA since 2018, together with BioNTech, to uh, develop a flu vaccine, uh, made them believe that the technology is mature and we are at the cusp of uh, delivering a product. Um, so they convinced me. I, I follow my instinct that uh, they know what they are saying. They're very good. And uh, we made this very difficult decision at that time. Okay. Wow, this is the most counterintuitive technology you could use, mRNA. I don't know why we did it. I, I was suspicious of it. And actually, mRNA never delivered a single product until this day. Not a vaccine, not a medicine. So this man just admitted that we were used as lab rats. Now, it's one thing if in the ensuing months... 
nothing really happened from the vaccine. It looked like a regular vaccine. It worked. It didn't cause problems. All right, you know, we shouldn't have tested humans as lab rats, but it, it paid off. But now that we know the extent of what it's caused, and he admits that they knew, they knew what they were doing. He admits, he was like, well, really, this is, we're, we're going to use that? We never used that technology before. How is this okay? How aren't there immediate hearings in every state legislature? How is every Republican governor and legislature not immediately suspending the shots for everyone? Banning Pfizer from the state? Clawing back all the money? Promising to run on, if Republicans take back Congress, demanding reparations for those damaged by the shots? So they could pay for things like cardiac MRIs. But nothing. To me, this is the most astounding moment in human history. Something like this has never been perpetrated against humanity. And yet, it almost doesn't matter. Let's go through some of the news of the day that we have. And when I say news of the day, it's news that you're not going to hear elsewhere. This is from Swiss... uh, Policy research, new histopathological insights into COVID vaccine injuries. A group of German pathologists led by Professor Dr. Arne Burkhardt and Professor Dr. Walter Lang have studied tissue samples of about two dozen people who had died after COVID vaccinations. That's, that's, that's a pretty good sample for an autopsy, about two dozen. And they presented their pre- preliminary findings um, most recently, a few weeks ago, using state-of-the-art immunohistological technology, the German pathologist detected vaccine-induced spike protein in the endothelium, okay, that's the inner lining of the blood vessels, up to four months after vaccination. They also found that the spike protein triggered local inflammation and lymphocyte infiltration that caused endothelial damage in blood vessels of the heart, lungs, brain, spleen, liver, and other organs. Okay, and, and again, this tracks with what we're seeing with all these ailments. In some cases, the endothelial inflammation led to thrombosis formation, these are the blood clots, or to the rupture of blood vessels. Now, I'm just thinking as I'm reading this, you know, could this perhaps explain some of these Frankenstein fibrin-like clotting that we've never seen before being seen here by some of these embalmers? We had one on the show uh, last month. In other cases, pathologists found embolus-like compartmentalized structures, which they believe could be coalesced nanolipid particles from mRNA vaccines. They also found cases of severe heart muscle inflammation. Okay, so remember, we're now learning that the lipid nanoparticles are as pro-inflammatory as the, as the spike protein is, and they go everywhere. Okay? So they obviously note the most important question, however, may be this. Do COVID vaccines cause such endothelial injuries only in a few unlucky people who then suffer severe or fatal adverse events within days or weeks, 
or do these vaccines cause such endothelial damage in larger segments of the population, but only a few people suffer immediate adverse events? This is really the biggest question. I mean, it's not even the short term is not a few. It's an it's an insane number of people. Right. The percentage is small. But if pretty much every adult has gotten this in the Western world, almost every adult, way too many kids, too. Even, I mean, again, even a half a percent, which it seems like several data points coalesce on a half a percent were hospitalized. It's about one in 200. That's an insane number of people. But then all the other people that had more minor reactions or some people maybe felt nothing, what's with them? They can no longer look us in the eye and rule that out when you have all these issues. So... This information is all out there, okay? If you ever wanted to know why they're focusing on Ukraine, this is it. And by the way, I'll just tell you, something needs to be done to these phony conservative talk radio hosts that jump on every single social media indulgence orgy the minute it happens, and then once they realize they're being lied to, but the policy is already put into motion... Oh, yeah, it's wrong. I don't like what the media is doing. Could you guys think for 24, 48 hours before you run your mouth? Here's a good piece of advice. The next time the media comes with this insane indulgence, the the next Ukraine, the next COVID, the next BLM, maybe take 24 to 48 hours, take a deep breath, sit this one out, and use your God-given brain to think the issue through. Where is this coming from, and where is this headed? Okay? Now, folks, one thing you have to make sure, I cannot tell you where this trajectory is headed with the virus. Eastern Asia is on fire. We could talk about that. Why? So make sure you continue to boost your immune system with Z-Stack, formulated by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, the pioneered, pioneering renowned doctor that treated President Trump. He uh, really was one of the first people that treated COVID at all. Zinc, Kirsten, vitamin C, vitamin D, all in one capsule, all in the right formulation. GMP certified, made here right in the U.S. of A. So go to zstacklife.com slash Daniel. Enter promo code Daniel to get uh, a small discount off your first order. Now more than ever, you have to take control of your health and your family's health because government is only going to get in your way. Okay, there's an important thing. I don't have time to go through the whole piece. It's very, very long. This guy has a substack, a Midwestern doctor. That's what he's called. He obviously wants to be anonymous. Adverse reactions to COVID vaccines I have come across. And it's basically a very long piece chronicling what he's seen over the past year between speaking with other colleagues, he himself, um, personally, professionally, and it, it's all anecdotal, right? But it's put together very well in a way that you can't fake it. And again, in conjunction with the num- numerous data points we've seen, yeah, it's par for the course. And he has different categories. You could check it out if you have time. Um, again, it's titled Adverse Reactions to COVID Vaccines I've Come Across, Strokes, Hemorrhages, Heart Conditions, Sudden Death, Anaphylaxis, 
other neurological conditions, psychiatric, autoimmunity, and chronic fatigue, immune suppression and cancer, menstrual irregularities and miscarriages, birth defects, and then he has a miscellaneous category. So these are all um, sections he has in his very long piece. I'll just start reading the stroke one. I was introduced uh, to a healthcare worker while staying at a small hotel in a rural area. Since the COVID vaccine started, we have been seeing a large influx of young patients with strokes. Um, in most cases, we do not ask if they had received the COVID vaccine during intake, but I know of one patient who did with no significant prior medical health issues um, who was admitted for a stroke and reported recently receiving the shot. He kept on clotting and developing pulmonary embolisms and DVTs, right? Deep uh, vein thrombosis. The clots did not respond to heparin. So we had to give uh, a gratibrin, um, which partially but did not fully stop the clots. I mean, this is what we're seeing everywhere. The pulmonary embolisms, thrombosis mixed with strokes, young, healthy people, and it doesn't break up with heparin. Numerous, numerous people are saying this. Um, and I could tell you in the military, the stroke issue is huge. The neurological damage is huge. And by the way, all those people are flying fighter jets. The pilots, they don't care. They put them back on duty. Um... He goes through, patient was healthy, mid-40s male, had flashes and temporary loss of vision in one eye after the first vaccine. Ophthalmology could not find signs of a retinal detachment and concluded it must have been an ocular migraine. Can you imagine all of these ailments that are going undiagnosed because nobody wants to say what it is and the government is stifling all literature that will alert doctors to the different symptomology and safety signals of vaccine injury, much less embark on, on some sort of plan to treat it. And um, this guy says his own elderly mother lost the ability to speak right after a second vaccine. Health and cognition then immediately declined rapidly, and she died two weeks later. There's so much of this going on. So much of this going on. And he has case after case after case. He has like, in the stroke section, he has like two dozen cases where he talks about just within his sphere of orbit. Um, hemorrhaging, heart conditions. I mean, it's all there. It's absolutely crazy what's going on. And yet now, if you go to hhs.gov, they have a section called for stories and research on health misinformation. You could literally snitch on someone to HHS for putting out what they say is misinformation. So if someone were to put this out, they now have a form. By the way, it might be a good strategy to bomb them with real misinformation. In other words, start reporting news media, <laughs> CDC, you know, when they continue to say that the shots stop transmission, go report them. Go report them. Again, HHS, call for stories and research on health misinformation. Fill out the form. You know, put in a an Elias email or something. And again, we're not trying to lie. We're, we're actually going to report the real misinformation. But this this is where we are in this country now. 
It used to be that we had a government that was profligate, hedonistic, the values were going down in this country. But now they've reached a point where they're going after our bodies, our lives. They have already for two years. This week is the anniversary of the revolution. This was always the difference between the East and the West, long after the West got corrupt. It's like, you know, yeah, they're kind of corrupt. They're pay for play. They spend money like there's no tomorrow. They devalue our dollar. They promote hedonism. But at the end of the day, you're able to live kind of healthy, free, and generally prosperous. That is gone. We are now the same. We're in the same boat as people in um, officially autocratic governments or under their rule. So, folks, this is not going away. This is only going to get worse. Which is why, like, if tomorrow Putin signed a peace deal, they'll move on to the next thing. And conservative media and the Republican Party, they'll fall for it right away. And then you have another form of vaccine injury, which is wiping your immune system and making you vulnerable to COVID. There's a big story going on. If you ask your average like drone that was obsessed with COVID the last two years, hey, is there COVID going on? They'll be like, no, no, COVID's done. But you know what? We used to know whenever there was a huge outbreak with a lot of deaths in any country, remember India and, and you had you know Latin America, any hot spot was in the news. East Asia is on fire now, okay? East Asia is completely on fire. Hong Kong, South Korea, Vietnam, countries that previously barely had any deaths. So then they started getting a bunch of cases. Now they're getting a bunch of critically ill. For the first time ever, did you know that there are more people per capita critically ill in South Korea than the United States. Do you know South Korea, pretty much every adult has the shot in almost all kids. 62% have boosters. 62%. You know what that means? That means, again, every senior and most adults have it. Kind of like the Israel dynamic, and they're already pushing fourth shots, and they have been doing fourth shots in South Korea. South Korea is now the world's hotspot. Most cases per capita. The equivalent of 2 million cases a day in the United States. How is it that South Korea, which skated by for two years, suddenly now they're having problems? Meaning, whatever it was, why the Koreans, and this is true of all the East Asians, they weren't having issues. You're hearing in China too. They're doing another lockdown. China too, a lot of people are dying. Why is it that people didn't seem to die? Now, we don't really have the answer to that. It could be they're not obese. They're, very, they're much healthier than Americans, which is true. Type O blood type, perhaps, is a theory. I'm not saying these are proven. I'm just throwing out different theories that people have talked about. Partial cross immunity from prior coronaviruses. Maybe there were other lab leaks of, of a more minor strain that was circulating in the ensuing year or two. That's ethical skeptics theory. 
whatever it is, it's something like that. Whatever it is, they appear to have some sort of partial immunity. They had cases, they didn't really die from it. And now they are. Why? You look at Hong Kong. They don't have quite the vax rate of of South Korea, but it's more than the U.S. even. Okay? And they've just peaked. They've reached their peak. South Korea's a little bit behind them. But you look at Hong Kong. Folks, almost nobody died there for two years. Do you know that now they're having, on average, 280 reported deaths a day? Okay, the cases have peaked. I don't know if deaths have peaked yet. Let's say it did peak. And let's say it doesn't go any further. It's at two, it's about 280 a day. 280 a day is the equivalent of 12,000 deaths a day in the U.S. In other words, Hong Kong, which was healthier by a mile than the U.S. for two years, is now now has, I believe, the highest death rate ever in anywhere in the world, anytime in COVID. Certainly higher than we've ever reached, and, and we certainly did not do well here. How? And to me, it's very hard to escape that the vaccine did that. Because as I've mentioned a number of times, don't forget, East Asia and Africa were the two parts of the world that seemed to escape death. I mean, they had a few, but but you know, really, I mean, totally did not have excess deaths, if you look at excess mortality. Africa seems to be holding up, and Far East Asia is not. Now, you could say, well, Far East Asia, maybe, you know, it didn't percolate enough, and they didn't have as much immunity, so we don't have to worry about this B2 variant, you know, the, the Omicron uh, spinoff coming here, because we already have immunity. Hopefully that's true, and I would that, that's definitely a good hypothesis. Okay, fine. So they're still going to get it, but why is it much worse than it's ever been? Well, Africa, as you well know, barely have any shots, and certainly no, no people got three. All these places. That's why they don't want to talk about it. That's why they needed Ukraine as the new booster. In that same interview, Borla said, Pfizer CEO, the protection we are getting from the third, it's good enough. Actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths. It's not that good against infections. It doesn't last very very long. So he actually is talking about a fourth vaccine, but nobody is going to buy into that. And that's why they needed Ukraine as the fourth vaccine. That's why they don't want you to focus on covid which is why we sh- we must continue focusing on it. Obviously, the latest UK surveillance data that appeared last Thursday, the booster, forget about the double, the third shot is now between 200, negative 200, negative 250% effective for most age groups. And now every single age group, including kids, the, the triple-vaxxed crowd is outpacing the injection-free crowd in every single category. The, and as far as um, hospitalizations and deaths, the double-vaxxed are blowing out the unvaxxed, and the triple-jabbed are gradually getting there. And in fact, if 
you look at hospitalizations, there's already some age cohorts where the triple vaxxed are now outpacing the unvaxxed, even age stratified per capita. Right, it's a couple month lag, and it's waning on on uh, critical illness. So you know, double vaxxed, they're total dumpster fire. Triple is is about headed there, which is why they're going to push it fourth. And by the way, this is a whole other thing we don't have time to get into, but they're going to push Paxlovid on children, children in the United States. I mean, it's something like eighty percent of kids have gotten it, so they don't need treatment, and they're you know never get really sick from it. And you're going to push another experimental drug that has so many side effects, probably doesn't even work. Really? We're going to now trust Pfizer with the therapeutics after everything they did on the shots? This is, this is crazy. Imagine if our country mandi- distributed to everyone hemlock and mandated on a number, number of people take hemlock. I'm supposed to get excited about Ukraine and, and Russia? And like we talked about on Friday's Epic show, a lot of it ties back in with the biolabs. We'll have more on that on Wednesday. We'll do a special show on that as well. So we're going to cover each issue methodically. We're not running away from that, but we certainly can't run away from this issue. Now, obviously, what I wanted to our guest to discuss today, the biggest issue is the military. Could you imagine at a time when the Republicans are essentially sucking our military into a foreign conflict? They don't want to point out the fact that the Pentagon leaders poisoned our own soldiers, and to this day, to this day, they're continuing to kick soldiers out on account of not getting this poison that has done so much damage to the military. As you well know, we have the DMED data, along with the testimony of a number of military doctors, that there has been an unimaginable degree of severe injuries in the military. I can now report, and I'm getting the data exactly. I might be one or two numbers off. I believe there have been only 93 COVID deaths in the, in the military um, since the beginning. And as you all know, those deaths, if anything, are slightly to moderately overcounted. So it's not going to be more than 93. If you look at VAERS, there is a box to check, are you a civilian or are you a service member? And I, I, again, I might be one or two off, but it's I, the number I have in my mind is 123. There's 123 military deaths in VAERS for the COVID shots. And again, those are woefully underreported. It's very hard to trace back. It's only the most obvious one, so it's likely going to be easily, easily several hundred. But off the bat, more people died from the shot than the, the virus in the military. And again, I'm not trying to say one versus the other because our whole, our whole thesis is not, oh, the virus is not a problem. Our whole thing is, no, you should treat the virus, and that's all another problem. You can imagine being active duty military, you're stuck. You have no access to, to proper treatment. It's, it's horrible. Right? So it's not 123 versus 93. It's 123 versus probably one or two or three because most of those shows survive had they gotten proper treatment. So what is going on 
with these mandates. That's where I want to get to our next guest. Now, folks, throughout our seven, eight years here, I can't believe I've never had Matt Staver on this show. He is really the lead counsel for religious liberty in the United States. Um, he's the founder of Liberty Council, and I believe he's working on now the most important religious liberty case just because it's our bodies. I mean, this is unbelievable, uh, very different from anything else we've dealt with. Uh, right now, there is a case in Tampa, federal lawsuit in Florida. Navy SEAL won the Austin. Uh, this is Judge Mary Day, who put an injunction, a preliminary injunction, on the mandate in the Navy. To be clear, it doesn't apply to the entire military. And last week, there was another hearing in that case that revealed some pretty crazy information that I want to share with you today. Matt, thanks so much for joining us for the first time here at Blaze Media. Well, thank you, Daniel. It's good to be with you. Well, I, I saw your press release, and I was like, oh my gosh, i got to get you guys on, or one of the military doctors you had on. Uh, our audience is very familiar with the DMED data and what was going on there. Um, could you just describe a little bit on procedural grounds, what this hearing was for, where this case is holding, and, and why it's so important. Sure. Uh, this is a lawsuit that we filed in October 2021 on behalf of about 30 members of all branches of the military. We've also asked for class certification, meaning we're asking for the judge to extend protection to all the thousands and thousands of men and women in all the branches of military with regards to their religious freedom. And we have 30 plaintiffs that are representatives of that class. I think the judge in his next step will actually address the class certification because he knows that we'll continue to come back with temporary restraining orders and just can't continue to do that for the thousands that are out there. So in the meantime, we had two individuals, a lieutenant colonel in the United States Marines and a commander of a Navy surface warship. The lieutenant colonel in the Marines was scheduled to be disciplined, put in the officer's disciplinary notebook on February 2. The commander was scheduled to be removed from his command on February 3 because their appeals with regards to religious exemption to the COVID shots were denied, and they were now going to be in the punishment phase. The judge on February 2 issued an injunction stopping that, granting their religious freedom, and then had a preliminary injunction hearing about a week later, extended that preliminary injunction hearing. That's what we have now for these two. The reason why we were in a hearing last week is that the Department of Defense and the other military branches, particularly the Navy and the Marines, were asking Judge Meriday to set aside his order so as it, though it didn't exist while they appeal it to the Court of Appeals. Frankly, they want to discipline these individuals while the case is going on and continue to ignore the religious freedom. The judge has chastised them last week and in previous orders for knowing that they have a very, in his words, frail case that, in fact, last week chastised them for acting as though they are above the law and that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that Congress passed in 1993 does not even apply to them, acting like essentially they are the law and that they're not subject to any law. And that's in fact how they've been acting. Last Friday, after our hearing on Thursday, the judge denied their request to set aside the ruling. The case is up on appeal now and we'll continue to move forward on the class certification to give protection to all men and women in the military. But 
as you mentioned, we had a number of just amazing pieces of testimony. The commander testified a powerful testimony. Then we had three flight surgeons that testified with regards to the lack of safety, the lack of efficacy, and alternative ways to treat COVID other than this mandating the COVID shots into everyone's arm. So what I find so auspicious about your case is is this has been frustrating as anything for us for two years, where for the first time in history, it appears that the courts refuse to look at facts. Uh, typically, when uh, a government wants to assert a certain uh, state interest, they have to show it's tailor it's tailor made. It's it's the least restrictive to achieving a vital state interest. And in fact, here it was literally an act upon your body and they don't have to show their work. It, it Nothing matters. But in the ensuing months, it became prima facie apparent that the shots clearly don't stop transmission. Whatever benefit there might be would be personal. And in fact, all of the data now show, especially with Omicron, there's negative efficacy and substantial negative efficacy. You have the UK data, but really multiple data points on this. And, Certainly, at a minimum, just the VAERS data is, you know, demonstrates how harmful this is. How are they able to get away with this for so long? And do you see us turning the corner? I do see us turning the corner. In fact, the judge in this particular case said that they haven't proved their case, the Department of Defense and the military, by showing that they have a compelling interest to the individual. They haven't taken into consideration things such as natural immunity. And, for example, on the lack of efficacy, that it's not preventing infectious transmission. He also said that they haven't achieved their interest in the least restrictive means available. Their option is get the shots or literally get permanently dismissed from the military. They don't even take into consideration alternative treatment, other kinds of ways to prevent infection nutraceuticals and other kinds of safe medications outside of the shots. They don't take into consideration the fact that you have natural immunity. They don't take into consideration that each one of these have a bell curve, whether it's the wild version, the delta version, Omicron, they all have a bell curve. They start off, have a peak, and they fall down. We're on the opposite side of the bell curve now for Omicron. So not only have they not prevented the transmission, but we're on the downside of Omicron. They don't take into consideration that it's cyclical. They just simply say you need to get the shot or you need to get discharged permanently, no matter how experienced you are. And the judge has rejected their argument, saying that they haven't met their burden. Now, we presented in court three different flight surgeons. Dr. Pete Chambers is one of those. He's a Purple Heart recipient, 39 years in the military. His plan was to retire in 2023 with 40 years of service. He had taken all the vaccines before in the military. He had not done, even though he's a medical doctor, he had not done the research on the COVID shots at the time. He felt pressure to get the COVID shot because he was told if you don't get it, you're not going to be able to deploy. He actually is serving us right now, defending us on our southern border. And he has some incredible stories to tell about how many people are coming over the border each day and what their job is. But he got the vax. He said he relied upon the mantra, the narrative of safe and effective. He didn't know anything about the aborted fetal cells in the testing and development phase, so he got the Moderna shot. He now has a disability. It's a demyelinating disability. It's kind of like the idea of you have an electrical cord and you have a plastic on the outside. 
the myelin is the plastic on the outside and it starts to slough off. And when that happens, like if you have an electrical cord, it's going to short circuit that cord. Same thing happens with your body. And his neurological surgeon with the MRI has causally related it to Moderna. This is a man who's a Purple Heart, almost 40 years in the military. He'll have to leave this May because he took the COVID shot. He said, had he known the actual truth and not the false narrative of safe and effective, he would have never taken it. It was a powerful testimony. Then we had Dr. Teresa Long testify as well. She's not only a medical doctor, she has a master's in public health, and her specialty, as you know, is the DMED, or the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database that has all the data regarding the medical treatment. Amazingly, though, on the evening before the hearing, she got a call from her commander, and the command was farther up than her commander, ordering her not to testify regarding the DMED. In other words, she is the expert on the adverse injuries within the military by virtue of the DMED database. And now the military and the DOD are saying, you better not say anything about it. It was a dramatic day when she Isn't that witness tampering? It is, because she's also a protected whistleblower in that she has presented information to Senator, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson and is listed in his letter to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin as a whistleblower. Yeah, they not only violated the Whistleblower Act, but they intentionally intimidated a witness and tried to change that witness's testimony. So when we got to the place where she couldn't testify on a particular matter, she said that she was ordered not to testify. The judge perked up, said, by who? Then we got into what happened the day before. And then I asked the question. This was a dra dramatic moment. The information that you want to testify, of which you have knowledge, that the Department of Defense wants to prevent you from testifying, is it relevant and is it helpful for this court to know? She said, yes. I said, why? She paused for a moment, and she had this incredible response. She said that, and I'll quote it, I have, she, she choked up, barely was able to speak. She looked at the judge. She said, I have so many soldiers being destroyed by this vaccine. Not a single member of my senior command has discussed any concerns with me. I have nothing to gain and everything to lose by talking about it. I'm okay with that because I'm watching people get absolutely destroyed. destroyed. So it's not just she was playing around on some database one day. Clinically, this is what she was dealing with, which is why she looked into the data. Um, so... What, so this is what I've been waiting to hear. Um, this because this is the first time that this data is being presented in a federal lawsuit. Um, obviously, with the military as a defendant. So, what did the military's lawyer have to say about the DMED data? You know, the military lawyers, we've had three hearings, and two of them we've had witnesses. They've never presented a single live witness. And um, it's interesting because we wait. joked after the hearing. Wait, 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 slow down. You're going too quick. Wait a minute. I've got to process that. You're telling me they're the de de defendant here, so they didn't have a flight surgeon or, or another military doctor say, no, look, we've done this X number of vaccines. They were this successful. No problems. Um, the, the DMED data is made up. Uh, so you're saying they didn't have any of that? No, they don't have any witnesses live. They, they, what they do is they send these declarations. And then when we tell them, well, and the judge says, bring them live because they need to be put under cross-examination, they refuse to do it. So they send these declarations that some attorney, some JAG attorney writes, somebody in the military signs off on, 
sends in this information. It's outdated, wrong, and it would be really subject to dismantling under cross-examination. And they won't bring them. And the judge, that's why we had the hearing last week. The judge was giving them the opportunity, one more chance, to bring your witnesses live. No, they didn't bring them. So in cross-examining our witnesses, they actually make our case even better. So they really don't have anything to cross-examine our witnesses with. And in this particular situation, Dr. Long said she's getting calls from all branches of the military. She's in the Army, but she's getting calls from all branches because her name has gotten out there about this information she gave to Senator Ron Johnson and is now protected by the Whistleblower Act. And she says, in fact, Wednesday afternoon when I was preparing and with her for the testimony for the following day, she got four calls on her cell phone, and these are from people in various branches of the military that just got their MRIs back. These are pilots, young, healthy pilots that got the shot, and they now have positive MRIs showing myocarditis. So she had four of those on the afternoon. She says she gets those calls all the time, day and night, evening, on the weekends. And she says there's a number of pilots that are having these heart conditions and other adverse reactions from the shots. And of all people, these are some of your most healthy people in the military. The least likely that would get any adverse reaction from COVID if they got it, and yet they're being injured. Oh, whether they're young, whether they're older, but they're skilled pilots, and they're being injured. And she says she's seen that all the time. She said she's, she knows of two suicides. Dr from the pressure. These are from the pressure to get the shot because they're saying if you don't get the shot, you're going to be discharged. You have to pay back your educational cost and your cost of training. If you're a pilot, that can be up to $12 million. That's how much it costs to train some of these pilots. Dr. Chambers said in his years of practice and his years in the military, what he is seeing is that this is not normal. And he said, for example, on the border, What he's seen is of those who have gotten infections, about 15% of that total are the people who haven't gotten the shots. Of those who've gotten the infections, the percentage rises higher commensurate with how many people get the shot. In other words, the more people get the shot, the more they get infected. He said the infection rate, if you're looking at like 100% of the people he works with at the border, the soldiers, about 15%. For those who haven't gotten the shot, about 80 plus percent, 85 percent or so, are those who have received the shots, not only the two dose, but the boosters. So in other words, that's not only not preventing transmission, it's, it's making them more vulnerable to getting yes. COVID. So it's, comp- it's, it's not only causing safety issues and, and permanent injury, like in this testimony with Dr. Chambers. I mean, how do you rebut that? He was healthy, and now he's going to have to retire because he's got this condition caused by the Moderna shot. Now he's seeing it in his soldiers as well. And, in fact, we entered into a letter uh, a letter that he was given, and it said two things. One, your duty as a physician, and it was to all physicians, your duty is to get every soldier vaccinated with the COVID shot. And then number two, it had a section at the very end about religious exemptions, and it mocked religious exemptions. And it ended with this, soldiers will try, soldiers will fail. And it was mocking them. There is no way it says, you know, you're going to get a religious exemption. And it's all caps, N-O, 
exclamation mark. They're just not going to get it. And as a physician, not only knowing that you need to get informed consent, but then seeing how it's impacting the soldiers and injuring them, both he and Dr. Long are under incredible pressure. But the judge obviously has seen the abuse that the military is putting on these men and women in the military. We have actually informed him of people who took their lives because of the pressure and the consequences of not getting the shot. We've also informed them about what they're doing to these two people that testified, how they're pressuring them. And now we saw it firsthand that, you know what, they're even tampering with witnesses. They're even intimidating a witness so that that witness, they don't want to bring their own witnesses. They're afraid to bring their own witnesses. And then when a doctor who comes, this Dr. Long has been in the military since age 16. And her, she comes from a family, and many of these come from family that have been in the military. Sure. And these are people that have put their lives on the line, like Dr. Chambers is a Purple Heart recipient. And now they're tampering with the witnesses. They won't bring their own witnesses, and now they're intimidating the witnesses who are in the federal court. It's pretty obvious what's going on. So that's what I wanted to get to because what I found remarkable, I, I believe this is the most remarkable story I've ever come across, that – there's one thing to embark on a vaccination program very aggressively in the military. We've done that before. But after you realize how problematic they are and they don't even work and might even have negative efficacy to continue even beyond the time where our you know health agencies are essentially saying, you know, the emergency is over. And in fact, they're trying to move on to the next item, which is Ukraine. But to continue on this and then sabotage their own data. To me, the yeah. DMED story was, was astounding because I've never seen such a strong allegation before that wasn't rebutted. There, there's no basic statement of narrative. What, what happened was they came out with nothing, no statement. Um, then in a very oblique statement of about three, four sentences given to PolitiFact, not as a standalone you know, press release or something. Oh, my gosh, we, we just discovered something. There's a glitch. It, it might only cover Fort Campbell and Fort Bragg, but not this amount of data. But no, it was, it was something given to PolitiFact that, no, glitch, glitch. And then, well, okay, but that doesn't answer it. So, so for retroactively for five years, but just the five years they identified were a glitch, but just in a certain direction, just for a certain type of diagnosis codes – um, that automatically, magically reset itself properly in 2021, but you didn't know at the time, only once these people came forward, then retroactively you knew. I mean, there's no statement of narrative. So th that that's where I left the story from a journalistic standpoint. I was covering it. DOD never got back on that. So now you have a court case. What is their statement of narrative on what happened with the DMED data? <laughs> it's interesting. They say, well, you know, amazingly for that uh, 2016, and they don't have any testimony on it. They just they tried to introduce this document that was unverified uh, when they examined Dr. Long. And they said, you know, uh, miraculously what happened when we had a computer refresh the four years before, the five years before 2016 to 2020, or four years, 2016 to 2020, I guess, or I guess it'd be four or five years just miraculously got corrupted, and so the numbers were wrong. So we took the data down after it was revealed 
that 2021 was exceptionally high compared to the previous average five years. And lo and behold, you know, we've readjusted the numbers. They didn't say what happened. They didn't say how they did it. They didn't say why. There was so-called corruption that just all of a sudden came out of nowhere. Even the numbers that they've actually republished show that there was, for example, uh, a 24% increase in pulmonary embolisms, which is pretty significant. But the problem with uh, their republished numbers is there is uh, material out there that actually looks at the DMED data as it was before they redid the numbers in late January, early February this year, comparing that to the VAERS report with regards to the injuries recorded of military men and women. Mm. And when you superimpose those two charts over each other, Daniel, they are virtually identical charts. So in other words, what's already in VAERS, which is a civil, you know, yes. CDC, non-military database, superimposed over what you've seen in the DMED, the military database, it's the same thing. So it really undercuts the narrative that they now just came up with is, oh, the data is corrupted. Well, then how did it get the same data in VAERS? Because that's that's entered completely separate. What you have in DMED are medical treatments that the military men and women get. What you have in VAERS is something that you have to intentionally go in and enter information with regards to, as you know, injuries, adverse events yep. related to the vaccine. And when you superimpose them, I'm unbelievably, it, they are just identical. So it looks like the data that Dr. Long presented originally is the correct data, and there is a cover-up by the DOD to try to squelch that narrative. Thus, the reason why they ordered her not to speak about the information, and yet she's the expert on the DMED. I mean, this sounds worse than Watergate, meaning the, the cover-up, what they did to destroy their own data is almost worse than the data itself and what it reveals just because putting COVID aside and the shots and everything, health surveillance is so important. It's a national security issue, which is why we had this. And, you know, they're saying it was wrong all this time. And, and, and the other problem is they're validating 2021. They're saying the other ones were too low. I mean, that means we have an awfully unhealthy military. That, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Not to mention there's other problems too that, for neurological disorders, the way they have it now, there's no increase whatsoever, which makes no sense because everyone agrees COVID itself, you know, has caused some migraines and vertigo because um, the spike protein. And then, you know, tinnitus, everyone agrees that, you know, we have 20,000 tinnitus cases in theirs. There's no way that didn't show up in the military to some degree, even, you know, even if they would think it's, it's overestimated. So my, my question to you is, do you think in the course of this case through the 11th Circuit, we're going to get more discovery on DMED? I think we'll get more discovery on DMED, not necessarily at the 11th Circuit per se, since the record is what it is, but all this testimony is in that record, uh, and that'll go up to the 11th Circuit. But we're certainly going to get more of that in this uh, court. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the judge... Um, is certainly willing to look at all this other data, and that's important because a lot of judges, they just like accept the CDC as though they're gospel truth, and there's just no, uh, you know, uh, buddy else that can rebut them. Well, we had three doctors, also retired Colonel Stuart Tankersley. He's also a flight surgeon. He just retired 
uh, in September 2021. And he did the same kind of testimony about the lack of safety, lack of efficacy, and alternative means to treat. And then, of course, the risk factors uh, in the men and women in the military, are they're really not in the risk factor category. So he did that as well. All that's part of this record. And uh, we're going to, um, later this week, we have part of the transcript available. We're going to release the whole transcript so that it's out there and people can use it. It's going to be public document, public record. And I think you'll find the testimony that was presented incredibly important and shocking. And, and the lack of testimony on the other side is it's truly telling how they couldn't provide any military doctor. Um, do, are, do, do you have other doctors working with you that maybe? rightfully don't feel comfortable going on the record, but aside from these three uh, flight surgeons? Oh, yes. Yeah. So within the military, because of the pressure, we have doctors that are outside of the military, like Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Robert Malone, and many others. But those in the military, uh, many of them are in the same situation, but they feel the pressure uh, and the, the punishment. Some of these, for example, may be a year away from retirement, and, mm. and they're being threatened you're like if they're at the 19th year and they haven't reached the 20th year yet, you lose everything. You lose your retirement, you lose your VA, you lose your GI, you have to pay back your medical. And so some of those, most of those people like Dr. Long Chambers, they got their medical degree through the military. So it's the undergraduate, graduate, the training, the residency, and any other cost of training that wow. they've had. It's millions of dollars that they're threatening these people with, plus discharge without honor paying back all this inform all this uh, money that they just simply could not afford and you know one year away from retirement uh, it, it's unbelievable the pressure that is being placed on them and that's why you're seeing the morale go down that's why you're seeing some of these suicides we've had for example chaplains that have told us before and now they've confirmed just two weeks ago, for example, we had a chaplain that returned from a um, funeral of a person who committed suicide, and he relates that to the pressure from the vax. We had a United States Marine just a few days before uh, the Christmas last year commit suicide, take his life, and the counselor called in all the members of that platoon and said they wanted to give grief counseling, and the counselor related it to the pressure from the vax. So we've had people that have given these doctors notes that say, you know, I just want to end it all. It's it's unbelievable what is happening in the military, and they want to be, they want to force everyone to be silent, and they want to continue to push the narrative, and their narrative is universal vaccination, and if you're not vaxxed, you're out. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, 19 years on the verge of retirement, doesn't matter whether you're a 25-year veteran, doesn't matter how skilled you are, you're out forever, permanently. And, and another heartbreaking thing, and I don't know how you can get redress for these people, but hopefully this case will will blow wide open, is you'll have another cohort of people that wound up getting the shots. Most of them actually did under duress uh, because just because they felt they, they had no other choice. But once they filed a religious exemption, I'm, I'm getting a lot of emails from people in the military they're marked, they're targeted, and they will never get a promotion. They are targeted no, as a right. bad apple. That's right. And here's an example of what's also happening in terms of the pressure. They're definitely targeted, and that's going to uh, affect their career. But, for example, if you draw a line immediately right now and look at where everyone is in the military globally, they're all in, many of them are in transition. They're going from point A to point B. Let me give you an example. We have a family in Hawaii. Uh, the um, husband, father was going to be 
relocated, stationed in Florida, stopping off in Alabama for some short training. No reason to take the family and the kids because it's going to be short. Then he's on to Florida. The kids and the family are going to meet him in Florida. So he leaves Hawaii, gets in Alabama. His uh, Now, because he filed a religious exemption, they say, oh, you can't get your training here, which means you can't go on to Florida, and we're not going to send you back. And there's no housing for you here. So he is now away from his family. Two weeks ago, it's been 154 days, no end in sight. His family's in Hawaii, can't see his kids, can't see his wife, can't go back, can't go forward, can't do anything in Alabama, and is having to pay his own hotel bill. I mean, that's the kind of thing that they're doing globally to all of these men and women. In other words, this is not over with, despite the fact that they want the public to think this is over with. It, I truly find it heartbreaking because the mass mandates on children, um, which you know in itself was very heartbreaking, uh, they, they got rid of those because they knew that would affect the broad electorate. But the military, that's just a small portion of people who cares about that. Um, so most people don't serve in the military or don't know people do. They don't feel the pressure anymore, and they think COVID uh, mandates are over. They're certainly not. Thank you so much for fighting uh, this issue, and definitely come back and keep us updated. Thank you. I'll be happy to do that. Thank you for getting the word out. God bless. Take care. So again, folks, that was Matt Staver, really one of the few good guys in the social con- conservative movement that has actually you know, fought for us in the courts. And, and this, I believe, is the most important case of his career, because um, it's not just these lives on the line, but this is the linchpin, the discovery of the entire issue. Because like I said, from day one, the DMED scandal was really the Rosetta Stone of this entire fight. Because the military is a confined, defined population. You can't run or hide from it. Um, it's so easy to expose this. You're not going to get the blood clotting and strokes and all this stuff you know, with healthy 20, 25-year-olds. Um, and, and, and what it would demonstrate if proven is that what we see in VAERS is just the tip of the iceberg. And this is a bigger holocaust than any of us could have imagined. And, and, and folks, there's more out there. I don't have time to get into this, but there's an, a long article from Igor Chudov uh, on his substack. Great, great uh, substack there. SARS-CoV-2 kills T-cells just like HIV. And he, and he talks about how it works on the same T-cell receptors as HIV does. And there's been a lot of talk about this recently. Um, and it is very, very scary. Because this, this is what we're seeing in Far East Asia, in Israel, it appears to be wiping away people's T-cells. You're going to see that in the immune system, immunosuppressed, but you're also going to see that with cancer. So this is definitely something we want to watch. Folks, Putin didn't do this to us. Our own military did this. If anyone else would have done this, it would have been rendered an act of war. And yet our own government has done this to us. So getting back to Ukraine and Russia and everything, you cannot view foreign affairs the same way you used to. Because our own government is the enemy. Look at what they've done to our military. Look at what they're continuing to do. And how many Republicans give a darn about it? How many of my colleagues in conservative talk care at all? Well, that's why I've undeclared myself conservative. It's a meaningless term. We're based. We're based in reality. We're based in values. And we're going to continue along that line. We need a new movement, new party. Talk a little bit more about strategy later this week. Also, we're going to get into the border. 
We're going to get into the biolabs in Ukraine. Look, I mean, all we can do is speak the truth, try to help as many people as we can. This is not, it's not even about religious liberty. It's about life. This is the ultimate pro-life issue. The longer it takes to stop the mandates, to, to expose the truth about this, the longer it will take to diagnose it, the longer it will take to get millions of people treatment that they need. This is the ultimate life, liberty, property issue. If you are not focusing on these issues, you are not pro-life. You know, I just want to end with this point. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this article. There's a couple of... Uh, legislators in Texas that want to introduce a bill to give the death penalty to a mother who has an abortion. And I'm like, dude, really? Like, we're winning on the issues. We're, the people are starting to come to our, our way of thinking. We need to focus on the issues of our time. You want to distract to the issue that is not the issue of our time and do it in a way that's going to totally turn people off. I mean... Really, the mother who gets it? I mean, look, we're all pro-life here. We're all anti-abortion, but it's like, come on. We need the death penalty for the people that concocted, distributed, and mandated this death shot. Focus where it matters, at the time it matters, and on the issues that matter. That is our motto. That is what we do here, which is why I need you to send this show and every other one to all your friends and relatives. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes with a comment. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.